Hello, fans, and welcome to a special interview edition of the College Pick'em with Wes and John and also Christian. Uh, Christian's got the right name today on uh, Zoom account. I uh, want to welcome a very special guest. John, if you want to uh, go ahead and introduce him. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine that I've known over the years who used to work for the Commercial Pill, who now works for the Daily Miffian. He covers a little bit of a Memphis prep area for the Daily Miffian. And uh, John Varlas, who's also on Friday mornings with uh, Eli Savoy and Greg Gaston, does his high school preview on that on Sports 56. So, uh, John Varlas, appreciate your time, and thank you for uh, coming on with us. I'm glad to do it, Jonathan and, and Wes. Uh, happy to talk to you guys. How are you doing today? We're doing all right. I'm doing okay after last night's uh, crazy game at Barlett, but uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But uh, I'm just doing pretty well. I'm glad, you know, we're going to get you on to cover a little bit of high school football playoffs this year in general because it's been a crazy year with COVID going on, anywhere from COVID to Shelby County School not even playing at all this year. And I just want to give you a a minute to talk about the regular season in general. What did you think of the regular season up to date so far without the playoffs? Well, I, I think in general you're right. The, the regular season certainly was not was not what it what it could have been and what it probably should have been because of the absence of the Shelby County schools. I mean, we got we um, you know obviously we as fans aren't aren't that important. It's more important the players and the coaches. They missed out on on a chance to compete and you know a chance to potentially you know do some great things this year. And we had. Uh, you know, to, to, to go through a football season without schools like Whitehaven and White Station and, and Ridgeway and, and Kirby and, you know, some of these schools that, you know, are traditionally pretty good and, and we're projected to have really good seasons is, is really unfortunate for us fans. But, you know, like I said, the, the biggest loss is, is, is for the players and the, and the coaches and their, their parents and their families that, that didn't get to participate at all. That, that's the biggest shame of it. You know, I do got to give a lot of credit to uh, Coach Cole at the Pure Athletics putting that team together as well. But with the Shelby County kids that actually play it on the team this year, I know it was only like three or four games, but at least they got to express their talent to maybe some college coaches either on film or through huddle or anything like that. And I got to give the Memphis Nighthawks a lot of credit as well by putting some of these, you know, Shelby County players also – on that team as well, just to name a few, like Tevin Carter, one of the top quarterbacks, you know, in the area that who has like anywhere from like SEC to ACC offers, you know, I think his top seven is pretty good on that list who played for the pure athletic team this year as well, you know? No, I, I agree with Jonathan, the, the, you know, especially a player like Tevin who last year, you know, last year was injured. He tore his ACL and didn't play at all in 2019. So, you know, you're right to, to get in a few games this year and, uh, you know, have some tape and, and some video and that kind of stuff was important. And, and you're right. Lots of credit to Coach Cole and all those guys at Pure. I mean, they started with nothing, you know, basically six or seven weeks ago. They didn't even have a team. They put it together really fast. They came together really fast. And, and you know, they were able to get four games in. Um, they lost them all, but I, I bet if you asked those players, you know, they would say, yeah, you know, it, it stinks to lose all four games, but my goodness, you know, they got a chance to compete when, when so many other kids didn't. And I, I think that's just huge for them. Uh, what did you oh, – go ahead, go ahead, Wes. Uh, John, uh, when, uh, you know, just covering high school athletics, I'm sure you've had a chance to talk to all these coaches 
uh, of all these different programs around the uh, area. Uh, can you can you give me just some? I guess we we'll use the word frustrations and 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 some um, some in you know issues that these coaches have had to deal with on a week to week or even day to day basis. Are you you're talking about the the Shelby County schools, West that, that didn't yes, play or the ones that did? Yeah, uh, no, no, I, just just Shelby County schools. Just with as crazy as this year has been, with all the different mandates that's been put on and taken off and all that, just you know, is there any just crazy uh, challenges that these coaches have had to face? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, Wes. It's it's been really hard for them, and 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 you got to give you got to give these guys a ton of credit. The ones that have made it happen. I mean, they've had to do. You know, they have, they've had to do stuff that they've never dreamed they would have to do. You know, all these, you know, the, the, the temperature checks before practice, the, you know, worry about, um, you know, where their players have been, you know, during the course of the week and stuff like that. You know, have they come in contact with somebody that, that you know, had, had coronavirus? You know, did they go to a party where somebody might have had coronavirus or a family gathering or stuff like that? You know, like the, the, the temperature checks, the – the, the spacing out at practice, you know, practicing one position group at one end of the field and another position group at the other end of the field, things like that. You know, the, 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 the problems with travel where you don't have, you know, where you can't take a bus to the game together. You know, I, I know a lot of these schools, you know, went to games in, in cars with parents, you know, that kind oh, of wow. stuff. It's, yeah, it's just incredible what some of the, these people have had to do. And that's why, Wes, you really got to tip your hat to the, the ones that have made it this far and, and actually got their season in. It, it's just incredible the effort that the coaches and the administrators at, at some of these schools have, have put in for these kids. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really hit Arkansas high school sports hard, too. Yeah, every, uh, everybody. Arkansas, I've heard some teams, you know, scheduling a game, an opponent on the game of on game day. I mean, teams backing out last minute and – you know, even in the playoffs, you know, some teams are advancing not because they're, you know, the better team, but just because their opponent can't play. And and it is possible that uh, teams that probably don't deserve it can be in the state championship, which is crazy to me. Well, that you know, we, we could see that. I, I hope we don't. I, I really cross my fingers and hope everything gets decided on the field. But, I mean, even with – even with um, you know, the game John was talking about it at Bartlett last night. I mean, that was played on a Saturday instead of a Friday. And, and you know, typically the, the TSSAA is, is pretty pretty strict that you that all playoff games must be played on Friday at, at 7 p.m. local time. Well, you know, because of this year and, and circumstances, they, they granted an exception for this game. And, and that's just another example of, you know, some of the weird things that have happened. It's It's – it, it's crazy, but but again, like I say, that's why you really got to tip your hat to the people that have made it happen for these kids. JV, I think you nodded on the like regarding the bus situation, especially when I've been seeing like private schools in the Memphis area in general lately, like the Timpton Rosemarks and the Fate Academies and all of them, especially the day of the game, traveling two to three hours, like the Columbia Academy and all of them, just to have a game, you know, and then drive three hours and then three hours back on three buses, you know, they're right on the money as well for that one. But, uh, you know, I just want to, who, like, talk about the regular season again a little bit more in detail. Like, what kind of games excite, like, what games did you enjoy watching the most this year? 
on a high school level? Well, I mean, some, some. I mean, there were there were lots of exciting games this year. I mean, I I, I think you know, kind of a big picture answer to your question, uh, John. I really enjoyed watching Bartlett's development this year. I mean, here's a team that historically, you know, has not had a, a great deal of success, and and I, I don't think that's you know hurting anybody's feelings by saying that. I mean, it's just it's just the way it has been. And, and 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 this and this year they've they've really come on and. And, and just watching that team grow and progress and, and get better as the season has gone on has really been fun. I mean, you know, they, they, they lost their first game against uh, CPA pretty handily, um, but then they came back and, and beat, you know, a really, really good Christian Brothers team, you know, right after that. And, and they haven't lost since. You know, they've beaten all comers. They've, they've beaten Houston twice. They've beaten Collierville, you know, once in a very exciting overtime game. And, and then now they're going to play Collierville again on Friday. So I think just watching those guys grow and develop was fun. I mean, watching, you know, watching Dallin Hayden and Christian Brothers this year, um, you know, the great season he had was was incredible. And, and he's got another year left, fortunately, for Christian Brothers fans. So he's got one more year left. So, you know, watching him, watching Jalen Greenwood at ECS, so many talented players we have here, Michael Dallas at at Briarcrest, just just a lot of great individual talent and 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 some good teams too that that um you know and 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 we still got a few of them still still playing. Let me ask you this, John. Um, I actually played for Joe Riccone, uh when he coached at Rossville Christian Academy. Uh, I say many moons ago. It feels like it's been many moons ago. Uh, and then also played with uh, Logan Johns at Rossville, who is an assistant for Coach Riccone now at Collierville. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year they, you know, as far as COVID, they had some some major issues going on. Can you talk about the job that Coach Riccone's done in Collierville? Yeah, I think he's done a fantastic job, Wes. And 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 uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, let me let me ask you right quick though. I mean, what what is it what is it like to play for Coach Riccone? Because I bet it would be it would be a lot of fun. It it seems Man, like it would be. You know. Um, that was my sophomore – well, he came in my junior year, I'm sorry, uh, at Rossville Christian Academy. Uh, he was our strengths and uh, conditioning coach uh, when he first came in. Uh, and then, well, he was there my sophomore year, but he was our, he was our strength coach. Um, a lot of energy, uh, I can definitely tell you that. Um, passionate, uh, cared about his kids, uh, was, was a very a, – a stickler on – you know, you practice how you play. Uh, if there was any jogging going on in practice, it was going to be cut short uh, very, very quickly. <laughs> I bet. That. Um, and, you know, I mean, keep in mind, I was at Rossville Christian Academy, and we probably had 14 to 16 players on the whole roster. Uh, yeah. So, and that was his first head coaching job. Uh, and it was, a, it, it was a challenging position. Uh, just being, I mean, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Rossville uh, covering the Memphis area, but um, at that point in time, we were in the MPSA, and I think they're backing it now, actually. Uh, but, you know, we, we were going and playing, you know, the big corn-fed boys from South Mississippi. You know, we, we wasn't all that corn-fed. I mean, I played center my senior year, if that tells you anything about the program uh, at the time. Uh, but but yeah. he, had some, he had some really great players coming through there. Uh, Kendrick Watkins was one. Uh, played running back at Carterville and left to uh, Rossville. 
Uh, Tim Bing was another guy that I played with back in the day that was uh, a, a really talented player. Um, the list goes on and on. But uh, just to answer your question about him as a coach, uh, passionate uh, is, is probably the number one way I would describe coach. Um, was, I mean, always had, I mean, it was, it was fun. You know, he made practice fun, but when you, when you, when you messed up, he, there, there, there was no question of when you messed up because he was going to let you know right then. Um, yeah. But uh, just watching how the game has evolved since that time and, you know, with the, all the crazy offensive stuff, I'm really interested to see just how, how, how he has progressed as a head coach all these years knowing that I was the very beginning of his coaching career. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, and, and that's why I wanted to ask you to see if, you know, kind of a, a player perspective was was the same as, you know, my perspective from, you know, from the outside because I'm not, you know, around around them all the time. Um, I mean, I think everything you said is true. I mean, I think the, the passion he shows, the, you know, comes through every single day, every yeah. every game. I think it's, it's clear that he – cares about his players tremendously and, and and I think he's making it a lot of fun for those guys at Collierville I can I can tell you after their game uh, Friday against um, Arlington you know there was there was you know there was just so much pride and, and 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 joy over over what they accomplished and you know he was you know he was singling out you know singling out kids in the in the post game uh, the post game huddle and making everybody laugh and and you know everybody was excited and, and pumped and you know lots of hugs and lots of you know, lots of just really good vibrations. You know, naturally, you, you'd expect that after after any victory. But you, you know, it, it just seems like that that you know, Coach Raccone is is really doing a good job connecting and and bonding with those guys and, and and building that program out there. Because you know, Wes, as you know, I mean, that's a school with you know close to three thousand students, and you know, there there's no re there's no reason that with the resources they have out at Collierville that that can't you know, be a, a, a really solid program for years to come. And, and they just need a, a guy that's going to, you know, stick with it and, and do it. And, and I think Coach Raccone can certainly be that guy out there. Oh, I, you know what? I, I think if you look at it, it just at Collierville, like you said, 3,000 uh, student school. Uh, I, if I'm correct, they just built a brand new high school. Um, and you find a guy that came – He, I mean, Joe Raccone is Collierville. I mean, obviously, we know this. He played there. Uh, he was a star there. Went on to the University of Memphis. Uh, was known as the Bubble Boy uh, back in the day during the UT game. Um, and I mean, you know, and 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 he enjoys that. He he knows his his history, and he also knows that he's got uh, an abundance of talent and uh, an abundance of booster behind him at Carter. He really does. He really does. There's a huge community support out there. I mean, you're exactly right about the the new high school. I mean, the facilities they have are are second. I mean, you know, there's second to nobody in the state. I mean, I I, I mean, it's just remarkable facilities they have out there with the stadium and and the and the the training the training area the you know the the war. I mean, they got whirlpools and and you know computer labs for the players. I mean, they you know they got everything. It, it's you know, it's 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 kind of sim. You know, it's kind of similar to what you would see on a small scale with you know maybe some college programs. Heck, it may be better than you know some college programs around the country, honestly. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he is Collierville through and through. He's got a lot of pride in 
in, in the school and, and what, you know, what they've accomplished historically. You know, I, I know he's got, you know, strong ties to the, the Paul Cox uh, legacy, mm-hmm. former coach Paul yeah. Cox. So, I mean, that, that's all positive stuff. And, and, and like I said, with, with the resources they have, um, you know, they, they just need a coach that's going to steer them in the right direction. And I, I think when they, when they hired him, that was the goal. And I, yeah. I think um, they're on the right track. All right. I'm sorry, John. I just had to go on the ramp. No, okay. former coach. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, what I, no, what I was going to say also, you know, regarding Joe, when I've known him over the years, he's always no, he's always cared about the kids as well, like JV and you said as well. And me personally, when he was at White Station, JV and Wes, he always put a tough schedule together to get the kids better. Yeah. Year in and year out, no matter – like, for example – White Station would go down to DeSoto Central and play them. Uh, White Station would play they – weren't, they weren't scared to play nobody when he was at White Station. And if I'm not mistaken, like, he would put that Tusk schedule together for a reason because that one year they beat Germantown when Germantown was undefeated, I believe, going into that playoff game. White Station got better during the regular season to get them ready for that Germantown game, to beat them in that playoff game. And he's always put kids through college. That's the most important thing as well. For example, Dylan Mitchell, who's now a free agent – in the NFL, he coached Dylan Mitchell and who went on to Oregon and been a star there. And now he's a free agent in the NFL. And he's always cared about the kids, putting them through college. And to me, that's the most important thing. He's coached them, like, and they're also getting scholarships from it as well, where they're learning in the classroom and they're also learning on the football field, on and off the field. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I can 100% attest when it comes to him and grades. Um, if your grades are not in order, you're not playing on, on his football field. I can promise you that. Uh, and I, at Rossville, anyway, you can get paddled. And uh, Rocco can sling a paddle, buddy. I promise you. Personally, <laughs> Rocco can sling a paddle. Uh, I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's no question about that. And, and, and Jonathan is, Jonathan's right. He's, he's, got, he's got a great track record of putting guys in college. Um, you know, of, of course, he had some really, really – terrific players to work with at white station. So, um, so that helped as well, but you know, he's doing, he's doing the same at Collierville, you know, uh, Ethan Hassler is, is going to play at Southern Miss and, and Scotty Alexander is going to play somewhere. And they've got, you know, a host of guys that are, you know, probably going to end up at smaller colleges. Um, you know, last year they sent Jared Dawson to Louisville. So, so Jonathan's right. He, he's continuing the trend of, of sending players on to, uh, to play at college. All right, Jamie, you ready to talk some playoffs with us? I'm ready, buddy. All right, Wes, you want to start? Go ahead, John. You do the first one. Okay, we'll start out with a little bit of uh, 6A football, uh, Mr. Varless, and talk about, you know, first of all, car- like you talked about, you covered the Carville-Arlington game the other night. The Carville Dragons won the game 30-20 to over Arlington. Can you just talk about a little bit of, about the Carville victory and then talk a little bit about – Arlington, who fans might know a little bit about Arlington as well. Well, I think what I think what surprised me the most about that game, Jonathan, was was uh, Collierville came out, and and this is kind of uncharacteristic of Coach Racone. They came out taking some shots downfield and 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 throwing it around a little bit, and and you know they had some they had some chances with it. They had some 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 plays open. They had some guys open, but unfortunately, they had some dropped balls. And it didn't work out quite as well as as they you know might have hoped, um, but I, I think they might have caught Arlington a little bit off guard 
with that because you know you guys know Coach Ratoni. He's going to be a he's an old school guy and he's run run first. And, and so he he actually he actually told me after the game that he said to his players and his, and his coaches at halftime. He said, "Hey guys, you know, let's not forget about running the football." So I think in the second <laughs> half they got back to playing. They got back to playing, you know, physical football and 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 got that running game established. Troy Martin had a good game. Uh, with 135 yards on the ground, and um, you know they were able to control the clock a little more and, and uh, keep keep uh, Arlington off the field. I think you know when you're facing a team like Arlington and you got a, a guy like Zach Baker and and some of the good receivers that he has to work with, I think a, a really good strategy is to you know eat that clock and keep those chains moving and and just keep them off the field if you can. I think that that's a good strategy, and I think they were largely able to do that in the second half and, uh, you know, come away with the victory. They, they got some great special teams play too. Hudson Hollenbeck kicked three field goals. And, uh, you know, the defense was, was opportunistic and, and uh, forced a couple of takeaways and made some plays when it had to. And it, and it all ended up to a, a really nice victory. Okay, the next game I want to talk about was last night, Bartlett's 35-27 to 27 victory in overtime against the Mustangs. Well, I think I think uh, I think Houston coach James uh, Thomas described it best when I interviewed him. You know, for my story today, he uh, he said it was a knockout. I mean, a heavyweight fight, and, and the two teams were trading knockout punches left and right, and and you know both teams, you know both teams absorbed everything that the other team was throwing, and and, and it just came down to Bartlett really making making one or two more plays at the end. I mean, I think uh, I, I think. Um, you know, it was it was really unfortunate for Houston. They they scored a touchdown that could have put them in the lead late, but it was called back for a holding penalty, and 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 ultimately that drive ended up with them kicking a field goal to send the game into overtime instead of the touchdown that they might have had. So I think you know maybe a little bit unlucky for Houston there, but you know once we got into overtime, you know Bartlett showed what it was, and that was you know a, a good physical football team and a great running back with Robert Giamo. Robert's, you know, Robert's been excellent all year. He got the touchdown, then he got the two-point conversion. And then uh, Bartlett's defense made it hold up on their position possession and, and came away with a victory. But, you know, Jonathan, like I, like I said, I mean, I'm, I, I think Bartlett is a really, really complete football team. They, they can run it, obviously, with Robert. They can throw it. You know, their their defense, they got a lot of dudes on defense that can make plays. You know, guys like Brian Whitehead and Justin Jefferson and, and Jeremy Boylan and, and Luster. I mean, so many of these guys are really, really good football players. I mean, this, I mean, this is just a really, really complete team. And, 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 and you know, with them playing Collierville next week, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good game with two teams that are really familiar with one another, two teams that are pretty evenly matched. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to see who comes out of that. But, you know, you just really got to tip your hat to the job that, that Coach Tucker's done uh, at Bartlett in, in, in just two years. Yeah, you said it right on the money when they have a complete team. I believe this year they have like 32 seniors, if I'm not, mistake, not mistaken. That's what I've been told by a lot of people. But, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of seniors. But, uh, yeah, I think finally they, they, they did put a – team together this year and last year, especially when Barlett hasn't had a good winning program, like you said, in the pregame, you know, in the early part of the show. 
you know, they finally put a good coaching staff together as well. They really have it. You can tell they have a lot of seniors. I mean, you can tell those guys know what they're doing out there. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're able to do a lot of, they're able to have a lot of diversity in their, in their play calling, you know, both offensively and defensively. And that's, that's the kind of thing you can only do with a, with a veteran team. You, you can really tell they've got some, some good, good senior leaders out there. So uh, let me ask you this, JV. Uh, did you like the red jerseys? Loved them. I said on Twitter last night that I loved them. And, uh, and, uh, and somebody asked me to post a picture and I did. And, and uh, yeah, I thought they were great. I mean, I, I'm, I'm usually not a fan of, of having the same pants and the same tops being the same color, but no, I loved them. I, what, what, what did you think? I, I thought they were awesome. Well, it's funny. I mean, I, just to give you a little background, I've known Jonathan Sturdivant since third grade. Um, I'm currently not living in Memphis now, but I actually went to Bartlett my freshman year before going to Rossville. Um, you know, back okay. then it was, you know, it was the old school blue jersey, white pants, you know, blue helmet with the B, you know, the red B. Um, I personally, I like it. Uh, I think it's different. Uh, I think it's something that in the city of Bartlett, you, can, you know, you can you can recruit some kids that way. Is having some different jerseys and some doing some Oregon or Memphis style things with different jerseys. Uh, per, yeah, personally, I like it. Uh, it's a way to uh, get some attention on your football program in the city, uh, as well as uh, building it in in your city, and which is part. Well, yeah, and and I think and, I, and I'm sure Jonathan's told you about all the. Uh, you know, all the, the, the improvements they've done out there, you know, and oh, yeah. continue to do. I mean, that campus is just – I mean, it's really going to be nice by the time it's all finished. But but like you said, I mean, the, the jerseys – I mean, the, the turf field they have out there is beautiful. It's just a, it's just a really, really great atmosphere for high school football. And, and you're right. I mean, that's something that could potentially, you know – you know, attract players going forward. I mean, you know, the enrollment at Bartlett has, has shot way up as well. Yeah, exactly. So, a really good solid program going forward. Yeah, that, that campus at Bartlett is absolutely beautiful. Uh, just from the pictures and videos and things like that that I've seen, um, it's very, very impressive, and it, and, it, and it's very good to see for the city of Barlow. Uh, John, I'm go, I'm I'm probably about to steal one of your ones you were going to do, but I want to talk That's about fine. this uh, Division II, uh, AAA, uh, Montgomery Bell, and uh, MUS, and then you got Brentwood going against uh, McCallie. Can you, uh, John? Can you can you can you tell me uh, is this is this MUS team for real? Well, first of all, I want to say McCallie ended up beating Christian Marriage 42 to 28 in that game uh, Friday night. And then MUS wow. won the game 41 to 17 over Father Ryan. Uh, I don't know. MUS, you know, NBA has won the, NBA won the state championship last year okay. in uh, Division II AAA. And um, MUS has a tough task in them because NBA has always had a good program year in, year out. But I'm thinking, John, maybe they're going to miss one of their leaders on defense in this key game coming up in D.J. Brown. 
Well, I, I, I don't, I don't know specifically what, what's wrong with DJ and I haven't talked to anybody over there. So I don't, you know, I'm not going to comment on that necessarily. I, I, you know, if, if he's not able to play, that would indeed be a big loss. I'll, I'll definitely say that, but, but, you know, here, here, I mean, here's the thing about MUS. I don't know if they're quote unquote for real, but I do know that they're, you know, a really, really good football team. And I think, I think the improvement they've shown over the course of the season has been, um, you know, really tremendous. I mean, you look at, you know, you look at where they were at that Christian brothers game at the start of the year, that was their first game of the year. And uh, they lost to Christian brothers 28 to seven. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody that was at that game would have looked at MUS and said, okay, well, here's a, here's a team that could contend, uh, you know, you know, granted it was their first game of the year and, and Christian brothers had already played two games previously. So that certainly kind of skewed things, but um, you know, they, they just, you know, they just didn't look, you know, like a typical MUS team on that night. But since, I mean, but since then they've really, really improved, really shown a lot of, um, you know, really shown a lot of consistency you can tell the coaches have done a great job getting those guys to buy in as the season has gone on and and they've just gotten better and better and better they played they've already played montgomery bell once this year and it was a really close game i mean mus only lost by three points 30 to 27 you know they gave nba everything they wanted and, and i think this i think this version of mus is, is much better than that version was so I mean, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really good competitive game. I'm, I'm certainly not going to, you know, predict a, a flat out MUS victory because, like you said, Jonathan, NBA is very good and it's going to be a very hard hard task. But you know, I, I certainly think that this particular version of MUS is is much better than the one we saw in the first NBA game. Okay, Jerry, I want to ask you about Division Two AA now a little bit. Um, ECS, uh, we fought a Ryan or Franklin Road Academy, I'm sorry, the first game 49 to 21. And uh, Battleground Academy beat North Point 45 to 13. Liscombe Academy, Trent Dilfer in the gang, beat St. George 63 to 3 the first week. And then Lausanne won 50 to 0 over Harding the first week of the playoffs. But the second week of the playoffs, where, you know, is where ECS beat Battleground Academy and Jonas Rodriguez. 14 to 13 in the overtime game, they came down to a two point conversion in that game. And then of course, you know, the Lausanne game got canceled due to COVID because of one positive test. And Lausanne could me personally, Lausanne could have put a good dog fight in Liscombe Academy in Nashville in, in that playoff game as well if that game was played. So now ECS is hosting Liscombe Academy next Friday night. I wish I could do Barlett and Carrill and Liscombe Academy. In Lausanne or Lisco Academy in ECS, but it's going to be hard to choose a game to go to for that week. But uh, talk about that that Division Two Double A a little bit. I agree. I kind I kind of wish there was a way they could push Bartlett back to Saturday night again, and we could do both of them. That would be that was that would be fun. Um, but um, but I, I think I think uh, I think ECS has a a really tough task ahead of them. You know, Lipscomb is is, is a great football team. Uh, I'm sure you guys know that they're coached by, you know, Trent Dilfer, the former Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, I know that. That is awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really, he's really doing great things with that program up there. Um, you know, for ECS, you know, the, the key is going to be like, like they always um, try to do, they're going to, 
try to establish the run with Jalen Greenwood and, and that big physical veteran offensive line they have that's that's led by uh, Dietrich Pennington, the, the Clemson commit. I mean, they've got just some some really really great size up front, especially for a for a Division two AA school. I mean, they've got size that a lot of you know five A and six A programs don't have. So they're going to lean on that offensive line. They're going to try to get, you know, the ball to Jalen and, and, and get him in space to make plays and get him as many good touches as possible. And, 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 and you know, and then with the passing game, they're going to, you know, try, try, to, try to exploit that when they get a chance. Um, defensively, I think their secondary is very, very sound. Um, you know, the, the Franklin Road game, you know, they really had trouble passing against those guys. The, the secondary did a, a great job, I thought, in coverage. Um, so again, lots of really, really strong qualities with this ECS team. Um, I, I think they have a chance, certainly against Lipscomb. They're the defending champion, so obviously you're not going to count them out. Um, I, it's just, it's just going to be a really, really hard game because Lipscomb, Lipscomb's good. But, but here again, you know, ECS is very good as well, and I certainly would not be surprised to see them, you know, reach Cookville for the second year in a row. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that outcome this year when Liskum Academy shut out Briarcrest 42 to nothing. That kind of showed me that Liskum Academy yes. might be for real this year as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you're right, because up to that point, nobody had, had stopped Briarcrest, and then, and then, and then Liskum shut them out. You're right. And, and, and that, honestly, I think somehow that game might have kind of sent Briarcrest season into a bit of a tailspin because they were they were really clicking prior to that game and for whatever reason it seemed like after that game they they weren't able to get you know back to the level back to the level where they were previously uh lipscomb academy am i correct and that's where kirk herb street's kids goes as well look at me no her, yeah herb, herb street's kids play for nba west okay 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 hey yeah. are, are they uber talented like their dad or I've never, I've never seen them play. I mean, I, I so I don't know. I mean, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're good football players, and uh, you know, obviously with their dad being a quarterback, you know, they're going to be pretty smart football players. But, yeah. but honestly, Wes, I've, I've never seen them play, so I can't tell you. Do you? Uh, so, all right. So ECS was originally scheduled to play Battleground, and now they're playing Lipscomb. So, who will Lausanne play? Do they not play anybody? No, I said, no, I said Lausanne got canceled due to COVID. Because they had that one positive test Friday night against Liscom, so Liscom Academy got that win there by forfeit. ECS beat yeah ECS beat Battleground Academy in an overtime game fourteen to thirteen Friday night. So that's how ECS matches up with Liscom Academy. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. My bad. My bad. All right. Um, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was saying. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask him, uh, do you, uh, I mean, as far as the area that you cover, um, what, how big does that expand? Uh, the area I cover, well, with the Daily Memphian, we, we focus primarily on, on, on Memphis schools, but we, we dive a little bit into areas like, you know, Covington and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the TRAs and the Fayette Academy of the world and a little bit on the Mississippi too, not, not as much. But, you know, because our, our primary focus is Memphis and Shelby County. But we do, you know, kind of kind of pay attention a little bit to what's going on in the outskirts as well. Do you do you get over to the 
uh, great state of Arkansas at all and uh, cover like Blyville area or anything, anybody like that? No, no, I, we don't, Wes. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, as far as this playoff season, get, can you can can you give me, uh, I guess, your biggest surprise team so far? Ooh, that's well, that's a good question. I mean, the the favorites have have you know pretty much stayed true to form. I, I think I think the biggest surprise, maybe unfortunately, is is a negative surprise. Uh, I thought you know I thought Christian Brothers might have you know had a little bit better success against Macaulay uh on friday night i know that um you know i know that obviously macaulay's a quality team and i know that they you know eliminated christian brothers in in 2019 as well so uh, you know obviously it's not a a huge surprise that macaulay won but i think maybe the margin of that game might have been a surprise i mean even though it ended up being 42 to 28 i think it was 35 to 7 at one point and uh you know before christian brothers kind of rallied a little bit late so I think maybe the the biggest the biggest surprise might be just a kind of a disappointing surprise that the Christian Brothers has been eliminated so early because I mean they really have a talented team. I, I mentioned Dallin Hayden earlier. I mean they've got a good solid quarterback over there and, and some other guys that can make plays on offense. You know Bryce Daly, Trace Heffernan, Ashton Struther. I mean those are all really good football players, and and then they've got a terrific offensive line with you know, a couple of uh, Division One guys, you know, on, on the line as well. So they're a really, really good football team. I, I know they've got a lot of guys coming back next year too. So I think, um, you know, certainly all is not lost. Um, but I know there's a lot of disappointment at the end, you know, after that Macaulay result with that program. And, and, and you know, and hopefully they'll use that as a springboard to a, a really successful 2021 season. JV, can you talk a little bit? I know 3A football um, had a disappointing Friday night a little bit with uh, Covington having canceled their game also with Milan. Talk about the Covington Chargers a little bit and uh, Coach Kirby. Well, I mean, it, like you said, it's disappointing that their season had to end the way it did. Um, you know, they they played Milan in the regular season, and, and, and at the time that game was played, uh, Covington was ranked second in the state behind Alcoa. They were undefeated. They lost to Milan in, in, in triple overtime, and, and that was a game, too, where their quarterback hurt. So, you know, that, that kind of set them up for another loss the following week against South Gibson. But, you know, it looks like they had rebounded well from that, and, and I know they had a lot of motivation to play Milan again. Um, I think it would have been another really, really good game because Milan has a, a an awesome player, a kid named Anthony Brown, who's a Mr. Football semifinalist, and and Covington's got some some playmakers as well, obviously with Marcus Hayes and and uh, Jamarian Dowell and those guys. So I, I think it would have been a really really good game. It's it's just really sad and unfortunate that that they didn't even get a chance to play it. Did you see the article where McMinn uh, County and Dobbs Bennett were supposed to play Friday night, and then they canceled the game like thirty minutes right before kickoff? I, I did see that, and everything that I've been able to ascertain from that says it's a real, it's a really confusing situation. Like, I, like you said, the players were on the field, um, you know, actually getting ready to play the game, and and the the local health officials pulled them off and and said there would be no game. And you know, from what I've been able to to gather, um, you know, they're they're saying that one of the McMinn players tested positive, but the the McMinn people are saying that. You know, that kid 
had documentation in hand that showed that he was negative. And, and, and beyond that, Jonathan, he wasn't even dressed out with the team anyway. He was, he was sitting in the stands. You know, he didn't travel with the team. He, he traveled by himself. Um, and, and, he's, and he, you know, supposedly has paperwork to show that he's negative. Now, you know, clearly not, you know, with me not being up there, I don't know how much of that is true. I'm just, you know, going by what I'm reading and, and seeing. But, you know, I mean, but that's a mess. And, and the TSSAA has a, a mess on their hands trying to figure out which of those teams advances. Because if I'm not mistaken, the winner of that game is supposed to play Maryville. Right. So, um, you know, so – so I so you know it's bad enough that you have to play Maryville in the playoffs, but you know if you have to play them after a makeup game in a short week, um, you know that's going to be doubly tough. And then you know of course if if they just go with a forfeit and and put you know one team through over the other, you know that that gives you know Maryville I mean you know the advantage. For the fans that do not know how Mr. Football Awards work. Can you explain that, how the voting actually happens for those type of awards? Because especially when last year they started going to like five finalists and then they're going to the semifinalists and then they're going to the finalists. So can you explain that to us a little bit more in detail, how that operates? Well, they're going to they, – they've already announced the five semifinalists on, on uh, November 17th, which I guess is – Tuesday, they will announce three finalists in each classification, and then those uh, three finalists will go to Nashville for the awards presentation. Uh, they're going to do it a little bit different this year because of coronavirus. They're going to have the awards presentation uh, after the Blue Cross Bowl, so it's going to be December 8th, whereas typically it's the it's the, the Monday before the start of the Blue Cross Bowl. Um, you know, they're not going to have, they're not going to be allowed to have quite as many people in attendance, but they will be able to still have some people in attendance. Um, and it's going to be, you know, it, it's, it's a huge honor for those guys. You know, we've got three guys locally in the running, Dallin Hayden from Christian Brothers, Michael Dallas from uh, Briarcrest and, and uh, Dietrich Pennington from ECS are all still in the running. Um, you know, I, I've got my fingers crossed that all three of those guys will ultimately make it to Nashville. And, um, you know, and, and if they do, it, it's a great honor. It's, it's a really great, you know, event that the Titans put on. Um, you know, it's first class. They really do it up nice. And, um, and, and, it's, and it's just a, an exciting thing for, for those young guys to even be considered. So how does the voting actually work for that? Is, I know y'all get a lot, of, like, a lot of media people in Tennessee vote on it. But is it like pretty much like the Hall of Fame for NFL, like for baseball, like a certain percentage actually qualifies? Or do you know anything about that? No, it's it's not it's not like a percentage. It's they okay. get um they get the they they have uh you know initially they send out a ballot to all the coaches and media members around the state. That's the preliminary ballot. Then, you know, from that preliminary ballot, there's you know maybe you know eight or ten guys that you know it, that merit serious consideration. You know, after that preliminary ballot, that's when the Mister Football Committee gets together and you know picks the the five semifinalists. And um, and eventually the three finalists, and eventually the winner. It, it, it's on a. It's um, you know, it's it's um, it's based. It's basically just a committee decision at that point, Jonathan. After the first round of votes, yeah. All right, here's my last question before we talk about basketball. If, or unless Wes has another football question, uh, real quick for fans 
that are probably not familiar with our Tennessee area as well, you know, our state of Tennessee, can you try to tell people why the baseball and the basketball is in Nashville slash and Murfreesboro, and then why the football is actually in Cookville? Well, well, because Cookville has Cook, – the city of Cookville has, has really made it a, a point of civic pride to host that event. I mean, they go all out. I mean, it's it's like – I think it's, you know, maybe the, the, the number one thing Cookville does for its local tourism industry. You know, they've just thrown a lot of community effort behind it, and, and I, I think they do a really good job. I think Tennessee Tech is a – is a is a nice venue for state championships. It's not too it's not too small, but it's not too big either to where, you know, you're sitting in a, a sixty or seventy thousand seat stadium and, and most of the seats are empty, you know, and it looks terrible. Um, I think it's a, a pretty decent size. I, I know it's a little far away for the teams here in Memphis and I know there's always, you know, some some complaint about that, but I, I think it's I think it's fine and 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 that's the reason that's the reason they do it. You know, Cookville bids. They they put forth a lot of effort to make it nice. They work with the Tennessee. They've got a lot of volunteers and a lot of good infrastructure in place. And 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 that's that's why it is the way it is. Uh, John, just- be honest, I'm pretty. Yeah, be honest, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy where the basketball and baseball and softball and et cetera are actually at. To be honest with you, I like the neutral location. Where it's in the middle of the state, to be honest with you. I'm a big fan of it. I've always have been. But go ahead, Wes. Um, when it comes to uh, football, just before we get into the uh, to, to the basketball uh, section of the deal, um, can you give me a uh, a coach that may be on the hot seat, maybe in 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 the high school ranks? Well, I hate to do that, Wes, because these, I mean these are high school coaches. And well, that's true too. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Here, I, here's the here's the thing. I will just answer in in general terms. I don't I don't think it's fair. And I and I've said, is this. there really a hot seat in in high school? I mean, I, I mean, I know the, the difference in high school and college is tremendous. The the amount of pressure on these coaches. Well, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that there's you know coaches that maybe aren't on the hot seat. I mean, I'm sure there's coaches you know all over the all over the country in high schools that are you know having talks with their administration right now you know so so you know it's not that the hot seat doesn't exist I I was I would just say that I think this year in particular with things being as, as, as crazy as they have been I really don't I really don't think it's fair to judge a high school coach on on their performance this year I really don't I think there's just been so much thrown at these guys that they're not used to that they shouldn't have to deal with you know I mean you know you're a high school football coach you shouldn't have to worry about you know taking temperatures and and, and contact tracing and all that stuff and you shouldn't yeah. have to worry about scheduling games you know two or three days in advance there's just been so much that these guys have had to deal with um, and, and I don't I don't you know I, I I would hate to see any coach fired based on you know this what season. may or may yeah. may or may not have happened this season? Same yeah. thing applies for college too. I I agree. I agree. I mean, we, you know, you you know, we we see that Jim Harbaugh's on the hot seat and some of these Jeremy other coaches. Pruitt. Yeah, Jeremy Pruitt. I I I understand it, you know, and I understand college is different from high school. They're they're paying these guys a lot of money. Yeah. But um, but I I I agree with you. I I just don't I just don't think it's fair to base anybody 
on this year's results. I think you kind of throw this year out and then and then see where things are after after next season and then make a decision. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, JV, let me ask you a question when it comes to uh, high school basketball. Uh, of course, as Memphis fans, uh, you know, we all know we lost Mike Miller. Uh, I believe he is now at Houston. Um, what kind of impact does that have on the city of Memphis and its basketball uh, brand and the uh, the amount of of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The amount of um, pressure. Yeah, well, pressure and 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 eyes that it's going to put on the city. Well, I, I think I think I think uh, I think there's there's two answers to that question. Number one is I think there's going to be a lot of attention focused on Houston. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's going to be even more attention focused on Houston because we still don't know what the Shelby County schools are going to do in terms of basketball. So you're talking, you know, programs like East and White Station and Southwind, you know, some of those great programs that would compete against Houston normally, you know, we still don't know if they're going to be able to have a season or not. And there's not been any official word one way or the other, you know, about that. And, um, you know, throw Cordova in that mix too. Cordova has, you know, potentially a really good team. Yeah. So we don't know what those, what those, what the situation is with those guys. Um, but we do know what the situation is with Houston and, and, and that that's that they're going to have a really, really good team. I mean, Mike Miller's made an instant impact over there. He had a good team coming back as it is, you know, with his son, uh, Mason Miller and, and uh, mm-hmm. TJ Madlock, you know, Tony Madlock's son. Right. And uh, Xander Yates and and some other guys coming back from last year. Then he, you know, subsequent to that, he's added a couple of transfers. Uh, most particularly, this kid from Texas named Jarrell Colbert, who's committed to LSU, and he's about six nine or six ten, who's supposedly really really good. Um, they've really put together a nice program at Houston. I think. Uh, I think you know. I I think they would have been the best team in in the city anyway. Um, you know, but I think without the Shelby County schools, I think they're, they're clearly the best team in Shelby County. And, and, you know, I, I don't think there's much question that they're probably the best team in the state either, you know, at least on paper. <laughs> Talk about the job. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a district 14 AAA guy, you know, just because I'm a, I'm a Barley guy at heart because I went to school there. But can you talk about how well that coaching staff they have in that district now, especially when they got the good girls program now? I think it's going to get better by the years to come at Bartlett with Coach Wes Shapley. And then the boys' side, you've got, you know, Coach Scales at Cordova, who's been around the game so many years. Now you got Coach Dion Real, who's entering a lot of years at Bartlett now. And then you got Coach Mo Miller, who's at Arlington High School as well. That's a, that's a, I mean, yeah, you're right, Jonathan. It's a, it's a really competitive district. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a shame that we don't know what Cordova is going to be able to do right now because you're absolutely right. Coach Scales is, is a really good, a really good coach, a really good basketball mind and a, and a good man. And, uh, you know, he always gets the best out of his guys. Cordova is always a, a really, really solid program. And, you know, I, I hope we get to see them, you know, play at some point this year. But that you know that that district is is always going to be tough, like you say. Uh, Coach Miller is, is is building that building a nice program with the Arlington boys. Uh, they brought in a transfer kid this year too from from East Nashville High School. Um, 
who's supposed to be really, really good. I mean, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him in person. Um, and, and then, you know, the job that, that Coach Real has done at Bartlett is, is, is just outstanding. I mean, they had so many seniors uh, two years ago and, and had a really, really good team. And, and then, you know, once those guys graduated, they, they honestly didn't, didn't fall off that much last year. And, and I think that's a credit to, to Coach Real. I mean, you know, he's a fantastic coach, really sharp guy, really good guy. And, and he, you know, he knows his stuff and he knows how to get the, the most out of his guys. So I, I, I think, you know, I think, I think Bartlett's going to be fine this year. Honestly, I do. And, and, and like you say, with, with Coach Shapley coming in to, to build up that girls program, and that that you know beautiful new gym that they they've built over there. I mean, I think that that you know has the potential to to really be special for both both programs going forward. Who's like talk about Division Two higher class with the Christmas and Briarcrest? I know a lot of fans are definitely going to miss the Kennedy Chandler this year playing at Briarcrest, who's now signed with the University of Tennessee, which kind of hurts me in a way being a Memphis fan. But it's okay. I forgive him because you know he's with there with his friends, and they're going to a good coach in Coach Rick Barnes. But I talk about the Division Two AAA with Christian Mothers and MU and MUS and uh, Briarcrest. Well, Briarcrest is going to be is going to be really, really young. Not only did they lose Kennedy, but they lost you know every other starter on the team plus plus their their top reserve. So they they've lost a ton of talent. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding year for for Barland, uh, for a Briarcrest, but you know as, as long as as long as John Harrington's on the sideline, you know that team is going to be well coached and tough to beat. Um, I, I I think uh, I think you know the best team in that in that region is is you know going to be Christian Brothers. They've got nine seniors. Um, you know they have Reese McMullen who's committed to Penn, who's a, who's a who's a really good player, and then Eli Fetterman. Uh, Harrison Kelly, and, and then of course you know their their top guy is is a junior. Is, you know, of course Chandler Jackson, who's getting a ton of recruiting interest. You know, he picked up a, an offer from Wake Forest not long ago. He's got some some other SEC caliber offers and Power Five offers, and uh, you know he's just a really really good player. You know, potentially could be the the best player ever to come out of Christian brothers and, and with the, you know, with bubble Luckett and, and like I said, a, a very veteran team. Uh, I think, I think Christian brothers has the potential to go a long way this year. <coughs> JV, do you think there should be high school shot clock in the state of Tennessee? No, I don't. I don't. I think there's a, I think, I think even Jonathan, when you get in, when you get into the same region, um, there's too much disparity in talent. Um, and I think the shot clock is, is a leveler. I think, I think in the high school game, I think more of an emphasis should be placed on, on teaching and learning as, as opposed to just getting it up and down the floor. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's other venues for that, but no, I, I think the high school game is great the way it is. And, and I, and I don't, I, I, I think it, I think, like I said, I think it's great the way it is. I think it incorporates an element of strategy and, and I think it levels the playing field. Cause, I mean, cause you see it there, there's, you know, even with teams, you know, they're supposedly equal in terms of enrollment, they're not equal in terms of talent and, 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 and it, you know, there's just too much disparity. 
Was he any more questions? Uh, no, I think I'm good uh, as far as the basketball front. Well, uh, I mean, give me a team um, that we need to look for uh, as as maybe a surprise team uh, this year in the Memphis area. Oh, that's a good question. Um, a team. A, okay, here's one for you. I think I think Tipton Rosemark might come out and, and surprise. Um, it's not. It's not that they would be a total surprise because they were in the in the um, state tournament last year, but they've got a good player coming back in Alex Anderson, and they've actually added a transfer from Central who is really good. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Tipton Rosemark's going to bring to the table. Coach Anderson does a, a great job with his guys, and, and of course Al Alex is his son. Um, you know, I, I think they've got a potential to do some really, really – really a lot of damage this year and, and even go farther than they did last year. Well, John Varvas, I appreciate your time as always and uh, keep up the good work. If anybody wants to go subscribe to the Daily Mifflin, they can certainly do so to read John Varvas' article. So, John, thanks again. I hope to see you Friday night at a high school game. I hope to see you during basketball season, my friend. Okay, buddy. I, I will see you soon for sure, Jonathan. And, Wes, it was uh, great talking to you as always, my man. Thank you, man. Y'all have a good day, John. Okay, bye-bye. Hello, fans. We are back with a whole new guest on screen. Uh, John, you want to go ahead and introduce our guest? Yeah, one of my closest high school coaches in the Memphis area slash Mississippi community now, who I've known since my, what is it, probably sophomore year high school coach, Wolf? Long but, uh, time. Since you, since you were at Barlett High School back in the – O two, O three, O four, kind of type deal a little bit. Yeah. But uh, first of all, I want to say what you did for our Barlow High School community. I appreciate what you did during that time. And uh, you know, I don't know if you've been catching up with us at all with this year's success. But uh, seven and one on this year, beating a good team in Houston last night in overtime, and then beating Christian early in the year as well. But uh, with good coaches like yourself, I just want to say congrat. Thank you what you done for us to get better throughout the years as well with the well, other players that come through these. Uh, high school career. Well, I appreciate it. You know, you know, in Bartlett, you know, what they've done this year is uh, I think it's no accident. You've got Phil Clark, uh, athletic director, and you went out and hired a really good football coach. And it seems to me just on the outside looking in of the commitment to the football program with the facilities and the turf and, and, and the, you know, and that's what it takes. You know, it takes a village. And uh, it seems to me that's those that 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 work ethic and that goal uh, is uh, really coming into play for part of success this year for sure. And then uh, I want to talk about your Brighton days since you talked about you know since you've been at eight you were at eight years at Brighton. Mm -hmm. and, uh, can you talk about Brighton a little bit when you were at Brighton? Yeah, man, it was great. Uh, some of the funnest times. Uh, you know, had some really good coaches and really good administrators and uh, really good kids, and it was a lot of fun. You know, I became a head coach when I was uh, 32 years old at Brighton, and I uh, thank, you know, Grant Shipley for that opportunity. And, uh, you know, it was a good time. We had some good wins and, and had a good time, but I felt like I needed a change. And uh, so I came south to Hernando. Yeah, you had a uh, 58 wins, if I'm not mistaken, at Brighton, and you finished the. You know, that's a good accomplishment, especially at Brighton when they always have had that tough district in general. Not like yeah. they had. I mean, they have a tough schedule 
now in their district because they play all the inner city schools here in Memphis, yeah. which yeah. Yeah, COVID. But uh, yes. yeah, now you're at Hernando. The last seven years, you've had some uh, up and down years, but uh, yeah. hey, so far you finished the year nine and four in sixteen seventeen, and then so far this year six and four on the year. And like we just talked about, you lost to South Panola the first game of the year, if I'm not mistaken, 14 to 13. But you beat South Panola when it matters the most in the playoff game, you know, 36 to 33 Friday night. So we, the reason that we got you on, I just want to say congratulations as well. Talk about your success so far at Hernando. Well, um, I've got some really good assistant coaches and a uh, really good administration that's, uh, that's let me go out and hire uh, these good uh, coaches. Man, Hernando's a great place to live. It's a great community. And, uh, man, the kids are awesome. And, uh, you know, it was uh, – you know, we've had to battle COVID just like everyone else has. And uh, we've lost games this year because other teams have had to uh, forfeit because of it. It's been a crazy year. But, you know, um, <laughs> we all – we said this was going to be our year. And we before the pandemic – we were having a really good off season, and uh, you know that was the, the the main rallying cry was you know believe, and we really believed that you know this was going to be a, a great year for us, and uh, it has so far. Uh, you know it's been some ups and downs. We've you know lost some guys to quarantine, just like everybody else has been dealing with it. But I think going through what we went through last year, we went through uh, fifteen to twenty starters last year with injuries. It was like you couldn't make it up. And, and it's so funny how in life and in sports, things, you know, lead up to something or prepare you for something. And I think going through the adversity we went through last year, it, it was good for our coaches and our kids. So this year, um, when we went through it with, the, uh, with COVID and the quarantine and things like that, we were kind of battle tested. We were, we were used to uh, a little bit of adversity. And uh, uh, the coaches and the kids have done a great job handling that adversity. Yeah, could you uh, explain to the listeners about that game Friday night against Sopinol? Uh It's it's uh, it's unreal. <laughs> when you go down there, they got guys, and uh, I'm going to tell you, it's it's uh, you come across that state line. There's some guys, and uh, so they've got some really good players, some big guys, and our kids fought. Uh, I think we were down. Uh, 20 to 16 at the half, and we, we really hadn't played well in the first half, and uh, uh, we just battled. We, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to explain. We just totally – we just kept battling, and some guys stepped up really big for us. Reed Flanagan is a big-time player for us. He's a 6'4", 225 wide receiver, and, uh, you know, they've got a kid. You know, their receiver's a real good player, number 17, Cam. I believe he's going to Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, down here, it's nuts. It's like everybody we play has got like two or three SEC commits. I mean, it's just – it's it's everybody, and you know, uh, except us. <laughs> but it's everybody else. But, uh, man, our kids work hard, and uh, they do they, – they, they get after it. And, and I've, I've been so proud of them. It was a war Friday night, but we found a way. And, uh, and I think it's true because the kids believed they were going to win. And, uh, you know, when you believe that goes a long way, it's a big difference in hoping you're going to win and knowing you're going to win. And uh, I felt like our kids knew they were going to win, that we were supposed to win that game, that it was uh, our destiny to win that game. And so they played like that, and we found a way at the end. Talk about who y'all got next Friday night. We have Oxford. I believe they're on a 27-game winning streak. 
And uh, they've got some great players, and we've got to go down to Oxford. And they'll have a great atmosphere. We played them earlier in the year, and we got beat 37 to 27. Uh, it was actually closer than that. We were actually we were leading at halftime 20 to 13, and actually they stuck one on us right before halftime, or it would have been a two-score game. And uh, they played a little bit better in the second half than we did. And so uh, we've already played them once. So uh, we just, you know, we kind of know what to expect. And, you know, we've got to go out and, and play better than we did the first time, doing the little things. Coach, uh, come talk, up, big, uh, uh, coming off a huge win against uh, South Illinois University is what I know them as. Um, Talk about just the uh, – I don't want to say difficulty of keeping your team motivated the next week, but talk about just what, what you're going to go into this week of keeping your guys, uh, you know, heads, heads on a swivel and, and, and all that good stuff for, for this week. Well, right now I'm in the training room, and right now those same kids are here on a Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. They're in the weight room right now getting after. So that's the type of kids we have, and we're fixing a – uh, break off right here in just a second and, and break off into our position groups and do film. And that's why I'm, I'm rushing through this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, we, we've, we've had some real big wins this year. And so it's, they've done a good job of staying pretty level-headed. It's a mature group. And, uh, you know, we took our lumps. Uh, uh, we were very, very average last year, but we, we played a lot of young guys, and now those guys are older. Now, now, saying that, we played South Panola with three sophomores on the defensive line, two ninth-grade outside linebackers, and a 10th-grade safety. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah. so the kids fought, and, and, you know, and our, whole, our whole offensive line is juniors. So, we're really just losing some skill, some receivers and running backs. My quarterback's back. His name is Zach Wilkie. He's a really special player. Uh, about 6'3", uh, 190 pounds. He can spin it. He's a good, good player. And uh, so – but it was uh, – I think the kids, you know, it's, it was nice. But, man, they all came in here. We, You know, we've already watched a little bit of film. I'm taking a break. Uh, my coaches are finishing it up. But, you know, they're just getting back to work. We just yeah. – we just – we want more. You know, we want more. And uh, there will be time to enjoy this stuff – you know, when it's over. But, you know, right now we're just – we're just, you know, we want to live another week. I understand. I understand. Well, Coach, we don't want to keep you. Uh, Hi. Uh, just just wanted to get you on real quick this afternoon and uh, congratulate you on a huge win last week against South Panola. And good luck Friday night, Coach, as you travel down to Oxford. Be safe. Well, I appreciate you guys doing this for high school sports. We need this right now. We need uh, – these kids playing ball and, and but also being safe as much as we can. Uh, so I, it's been a, it's been a crazy year, you know. Uh, you, you forget sometimes, and those are the good times, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm jumping around the locker room Friday night after the game, and then I realize, oh, mask up and get out of here, you know. I mean, just you know, just for a minute, you forget, and then yeah. uh, you know, those are those are special times. But then you have to re you know refocus because when we went in this on the very beginning. You know, the teams that handle COVID the best, that was going to be a huge advantage. Yeah. And so, you know, maintaining, keeping keeping guys healthy and trying, you know, not, you know, the contact tracing. You know, we have lost some, but we've, we've, we've you know, just tried to do a good job of, of keeping our kids away from other people and, uh, 
and not being inside much and, and things like that. So uh, it's been crazy. But, hey, I appreciate y'all and what you do for high school sports. Love to be back next week. So, uh, if, if God willing, we're, we go out there and get after it. I'll, I'll talk to y'all next Sunday. Yes, sir. We appreciate it, man. Jonathan, thank you, man. Good to see you, buddy. You too. It's been a while. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Hello, guys, and welcome back for another little short interview here on uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, John Sturdivant's got another great guest lined up for, this, for us this afternoon. John, you want to go ahead and introduce our guest? Yeah, I want to bring up uh, a former – or not former. Uh, yeah, well, kind of like a former Tennessee University of Tennessee Vol and uh, Aaron Hayden, who is now, I believe, an assistant coach still at Christian Myers High School. And he got his son, who is only a junior – one of the top running backs in the state of Tennessee, who's also a Mr. Football finalist, if I'm not mistaken, as well, and Dallin Hayden. So, guys, welcome to the show, and thank you for your time on this Sunday. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Aaron, I want to start with you with being a you know assistant coach for Chris Merge with this crazy year that we've had in COVID nineteen era. How does your how does your team? I know y'all fell short this past week against Chattanooga McCauley, but just talk about the year in general that you had as an assistant coach under COVID this year. Yeah, I think it was, it was a challenging year. It was a very rewarding year because I think if we would all thought we could have got five or six games in, I think we would all been happy uh, just playing, considering that the city kids didn't play. And I know a lot of kids like Cam Miller um, that I interact with, Cody Jones, kids like that that didn't get a chance to play over there uh, at Germantown and, at Moz. So the fact that, you know, they came to our game a couple of times, I just feel uh, blessed that we got the opportunity to actually um, play and compete. And, and uh, I think I sent out something on Twitter the other day, maybe yesterday, just saying uh, very thankful for the opportunity to actually play as many games as we did, have the year that we had and uh, in this COVID environment, because it was tough and uh, everybody's holding their breath, you know, each step of the way. Down, same thing for you as a player. Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely challenging, you know, uh, because due to COVID nineteen, uh, you know, we felt we faced adversity. We were on hold for two weeks, and then we finished the season strong. I'd say, you know, even though we lost in the last game to Macaulay, but I'd say it was a blessing to get to play during this crazy time. Uh, can you talk about just the uh, the the challenges of being able to to put yourself out there for the for the colleges to look at? Um, you know, as with this crazy COVID stuff going on, I mean, is it is it more virtual like like this type of setting right here? Yes, sir. It is like the tours. You know, right now no recruits can be on any colleges campuses, so they set up virtual tours with student athletes too see everything that they would see if they were on campus. As far as those virtual tours, I mean, as just to give our listeners a little insight, uh, do you pretty well see everything as a player that you want to see at, at, you know, on that campus and as far as being able to talk with the, with the coaches? Yes, sir. Pretty much. Uh, they sh- usually just show the athletic facilities, everything inside, like their facility, and then you get to talk to the coaches on Zoom. Gotcha. Aaron, um, you know, they just came out. I mean, y'all, I call y'all the SEC football conference, you know, in college football, with y'all division two AAA that y'all got this year. 
Can you talk about Division II AAA a little bit more in detail regarding the teams that y'all face year in, year out that people don't really know about? Like, I know this year or last year they added Pope John Paul and um, Montgomery Bell, and now next year they're going to be adding Brentwood Academy and Innsworth. So just talk about the Division II AAA as a coach. How does it like to coach against other teams like that? Yeah, I just think each and every week uh, you don't get many weeks off in that in that division. And then you look at schools like Macaulay and, and Baylor and Innsworth and the kids that they're they're able to bring kids in from all over their areas. Whereas, uh, you know, when you look at those teams, it's like if we had MUS and uh, Christian Brothers and they form one team, that's the comparison that I would say with uh, Macaulay and, and uh, Baylor and, and Brentwood and, and Innsworth because they're able to get kids from Murfreesboro and Nashville and bring them all to uh, one team. So – it's uh, it's a, it is the SEC in my opinion, and uh, they're probably the SEC West over there because it seems like those teams come over here and do very well in the playoffs, as well. Um, when they match up against our teams, you know, with MUS being they finish fourth, but they're the only team that's going to be still representing uh, this this side over here, uh, West Tennessee or Memphis. So um, I think that's the SEC West over there, and our division is the SEC East, and. And uh, you have to play every week, but the competition is is there. Um, very physical league. You know, we have a lot of big linemen, a lot of big linebackers, and, you know, the big running backs. So uh, it's, it's a very competitive league that's gonna, only going to get uh, worse today. I was talking to a coach from uh, MUS, and it's going to be hard to make the playoffs next year uh, with Ensworth, BA, Briarcrest, CBHS, and, and MUS. You know, they only take four. So somebody's going to be a good football team. It's probably going to be at home. Yeah, especially like this year when Briarcrest, you know, started out so well, you know, in the regular season. And then they felt – I think Briarcrest felt like all their momentum kind of hurt them after that Liscombe Academy loss when they went to Liscombe Academy and played them. And, um, you know, just talk about Briarcrest a little bit in general. I know y'all had some rivalries back in the day as well. And this year – well, this year y'all couldn't play due to different circumstances. But talk about the Briarcrest Christian Road rivalry a little bit. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a heck of a rivalry. Um, we were really looking forward uh, to playing them this year. They got, they got us at the end of a, a really good game last year. So uh, where they were probably the better team, just being honest, but um, they, they, they barely got out of there with, with a victory. And then this year, I think we were, um, you know, favored or, or probably the better team. Uh, and we were looking forward to uh, um, getting a little bragging rights back, uh, you know, for us, you know, every year, it's MUS and, and Briarcrest, and those are the games that you, you try to win first. You want to win them all, but, you know, those are the games that probably decide if you've had a, a good season, you know, or a great season. And uh, so we were looking forward to getting both of those this year, and we didn't get the opportunity to play Briarcrest. So, of course, we're looking for, again, we'll get them home next year. So we're looking to go ahead and uh, get them again next year and, you know, hopefully uh, beat MUS. That's our, you know, that's that's our goal. It's like you said, it's like the SEC. So, if you're if you're Alabama or LSU, you know you want to beat the the big boys in the league, and and then uh, having the challenge of playing Innsworth and Brentwood Academy, I think it will only make the league better. I really do. I need to have a trophy for that game, by the way, for the MUS <laughs> Chris Murray's game. <laughs> they should. They should. I don't know. Like how they have anything, but we have a rivalry cup. Oh, they do. They have a oh, rivalry yeah. cup. Yeah. Uh, Hayden or Dalvin Hayden, talk about you know how you have a older brother in Chase, how he has inspired you. You know, I know he's not playing football right now. I'm not 
you know, talk about Chase, how he's a mentor to you, and then have a father like Aaron, your dad, uh, play SEC football as well. Oh, man, it's nothing but a blessing because they're, they play where I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get to the next level. So they give me guidance, help me break down my film, show me areas I need to improve on. Uh, Coach, just a few minutes ago, you were talking about the the level of competition that you'll be facing next year and just the, uh, you know, how you were talking about MUS and Chris Brothers pretty much merging together and that being the, the team that you'll be facing. Talk about, uh, just as a coach, um, some some challenges in preparing your team for a team that you know is going to be that high-powered. I mean, you just have to do – you have to do everything right. Like, if you look at the game yesterday, for example, you can't have any turnovers. We had a turnover. You can't give up any big plays in the kicking game. We had a punt return. And then um, we had a missed field goal when we were pretty much the early – in the court, the first quarter, we were kind of – in control of the game. I mean, we were running at will, passing at will. Our defense had two, three and outs, and then they punt, and we drop a ball, you know, backed up on just a routine uh, catch. And then right after that, you know, we we come out, we get a penalty, we punt, and they run it back. And now all of a sudden, you were up 7-0 with a lot of momentum, and now you're down 21-7. Yeah. And yeah. In, 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 against competition where you're facing an uphill battle from a talent standpoint, it's impossible to get back in games when you're playing against a team that can, you know, throw a 60-yard bomb at will. And right. now you're, you're, you're a power um, ball control team where you try to impose your will on people and you don't get the opportunity to do that because you're down, you know, 21-7 or 28-7 at one point. I mean, it's just – it's almost this uphill battle. So you know that you got to do the small things when you play the, the Macaulay's and the Brentwood Academies. Um, the, the Montgomery Bell, you know you got to do everything right. And when you start to, to shoot yourself in the, in the foot, it just puts you behind the eight ball. And people don't realize, you know, they look at scores. But, you know, even a game where you lose 42-28, it really comes down to about four or five plays yeah. um, where it decides the game, if you know, if you really know football. And we just – we turned the ball over and they did. And that's normally what happens. And you can't – like, you can't miss field goals. You can't give up touchdowns. That's ten points right there on the punt return and a missed field goal. We lost by 14. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's very similar to playing a team like in Alabama. You can't give them any extra possessions at all, or it's just going to kill you. Oh, you look at a team like Bartlett. You know, Bartlett's probably the hottest team in, in uh, the state of Tennessee, and we lose a one-point game on a two-yard line, and we miss the extra point, and we miss the field goal in that game. Like, you just can't – at the high school level, even at the college level, I would say, and even at the pros – the game, if both teams execute well and execute their game plans, the game comes down to about two or three plays, two or three turnovers, two or three um, different things in the kicking game, and that's what decides the game. I mean, you look at the game last night, and all I saw was the highlights of Houston and Bartlett, but they're going back and forth, and then you see um, the running back, uh, the really good running back, run Ben Stegall down so he doesn't score a touchdown. That changes the points right there. And then at the end of the game, you know, uh, a snap six inches too high, you know, probably decides the game. And, and when, when you're in the playoffs and the bigger the stakes get, bigger, the bigger the mistakes you make, they cost you, they cost you games. So. Speaking Down. of the Bartlett team, did you say that uh, the Bartlett team, I mean, I, I know you said they're, they're probably the hottest team in Tennessee. Would you say that they are right now? 
Yeah, I would say they are. Um, they were a very fine football team week four, probably. I think that was four or five. And um, you could see the difference. You could see the way they competed. Uh, I thought they were extremely physical. And I don't even think uh, 35, what's his name? Giamo. Giamo had even hit his, had even hit his stride and, oh, wow. and taken, over, taken over as the man. But as I watched them, you know, finish the season, that, that confidence, you know, they started believing and uh, you start getting a lot of confidence and they're a dangerous football team. I was talking to somebody earlier that I think people think because Whitehaven isn't around this year that they don't have to worry about West Tennessee. But I would not be surprised to see Bartlett end up in Cookville. Huh. Huh. <laughs> that makes John happy, I know. <laughs> I'm a part of love, Aaron. I'll well, you know, you know I, I, I love all the, all the schools in, in West Tennessee and uh, in Memphis particularly. Yeah. So I would like to see them go play well. But I know enough about football that if you can play defense like they can and control the line of scrimmage as far as the defensive line and with the athletes they have in the secondary, they're going to be an uphill battle for, for anybody. Um, you know, I know Oakland is probably the most talented team in, in, in the league, but they're on the other side from what I what – I don't follow them that close. But I think they would have to go through Maryville, and I think Bartlett would be going through um, Brentwood or uh, – well, they beat – Brentwood beat Independence this week. Yeah. So um, they have to go through Brentwood, and I could easily see them winning that game. I really could. Hey, Down, can you talk about some schools that uh, have offered you some scholarship and, like – I'm not saying – I don't even know if you have, like, a top seven or top ten list yet, but uh, can you talk about the school that have recruited you the most? Uh, yeah, uh, Ohio State recruits me pretty hard. Notre Dame, University of Tennessee. Uh, I hear from Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Oregon. Wow, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. I, I'm, I'm sure your dad's just as proud as he can be to – to be able to watch you grow uh, as, a, as a young man on and off the field. Um, talk about uh, just these different schools and, um, you know, just – I don't want to say not promises, but, I mean, you know, just give me uh, some ways that you want to – you know, some some things that you want to bring to your to whatever college you're going to choose. Uh, just obviously my talent, uh, my vision. Uh, I feel like my skill set can fit can turn anyone's offense into one of the best. And uh, just, yeah, bring that. Awesome. Do you, have a, like, do you have a favorite game that has brought you, like that you'll remember for the rest of your life, back to your three-year career at Christopher so far? Uh, I'd, I'd say the MUS game this year, third game of the year. We were, uh, we were in a 7-7 battle the third quarter, and then I feel like my offensive line and I just kind of took over the game and scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, I think, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, didn't so, you, yeah, didn't you have carries for like 200-plus yards in that game? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm sure you needed like a bath or like a hot shower slash, you know, bubble bath for that one, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're getting the spa. I, 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 I took a – Epsom salt bath after that game. <laughs> uh, talk about what player for uh, call drinks that you enjoyed watching the most or you compare them to yourself to and the NFL player as well. Or who's your biggest role models from the college and the NFL rings that you enjoyed watching so far? Uh, for college this year, probably say 
Uh, I like Zamir White from uh, Georgia. Feel like I kind of run like him, his running style. Uh, that's probably that's probably about it for the college level. For uh, the NFL, I like watching guys like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, and Derrick Henry. Aaron, can you talk about your NFL career a little bit with us? That's what I was yeah. just about to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you want to know? I mean, it's, <laughs> um, I mean, it was a it was a blessing. Uh, I felt like I learned a lot. Uh, I think I'm able to share a lot of things with with kids on just the way that you approach the game and the uh, the mental toughness it takes to play this game. And uh, as far as my, my sons, I think I'm able to give them some expertise and, and training and and different things for how to, how to be a running back, how to approach the game like a pro, even though you're playing in high school or you're, or you're playing in college. And then I'm just able to critique and point out little things that people don't realize that you just pick up uh, when you're in a pro uh, system or you're being coached by professionals. And I played for some of the best, you know, Mike Holmgren, at Green Bay, Sylvester Kroon was my running back coach at San Diego, played for Andy Reid at Philadelphia. So um, I've just learned, I've been around a lot of good people, shrimp coaches, speed coaching wise, that I just picked up a lot of things. And I've always been a, a sponge. I've been a student of the game. I've, I've always been one of those guys that I feel like I got better because of what I learned and put into it. And so my boys approach it like they don't even know why they probably do it because We've been doing it since they were three or four years old. We've been, you know, working in the sand pit and running hills and, and watching film. And even when they were at flag football, you know, squaring your body and dropping your hips and rolling off your outside foot and, you know, trying to not take so many steps when you stop and go and just being violent. So, you know, I watch them as they continue to get older. I knew kind of what was coming. I, I hate to say it, but I, you know, I'm being a little arrogant here, but I, I see a lot of this stuff coming because I've been through it. And uh, genetics is one thing, work ethics another thing, and then uh, just watching it play out has been really, really uh, rewarding and fun for me. Talk about your college career at Tennessee. Um, I love the University of Tennessee. Anybody that you know follows me or or have uh, seen me talk about football, I uh, love my time at University of Tennessee. I think it made me the man that I am, the, the father that I am, and uh, and uh, I will always be indebted and grateful for my opportunity to play at the University of Tennessee. It's, it's, it's nothing like it, man. Uh, you know, people are out there 24-7, um, Vile fans, 365 days a year. You can't go to the movies or out to eat or do anything. You can be at a light and somebody will come up to you. I mean, it's been 30-some years since I played, and people will still come up and uh, want to talk to me about, you know, the miracle of South Bend or, or uh, Alabama game or something like that. Um, although the better my sons play, you know, instead of, you know, there goes Aaron Hayden, I'm starting to hear, you know, there's Chase Hayden's dad or, or Dallin Hayden's dad. So uh, that's kind of funny to me, but um, nothing but great things at the University of Tennessee, that experience, you know, you got to think about when I played, they were, you know, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, how they are now, that's how Tennessee was. Um, so, you know, each, each week you, you walked around and you were probably playing a top five team. And, uh, you know, everywhere you went, it meant something. Game day was at the games, and you had NFL players on both sides of the ball, and you practiced against NFL players, you know, every day. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful thing to, 
to have been a while. Dallin, can you talk a little bit about, um, I know this year, you know, they're, they're doing virtual school and all that. Uh, I, I know just being a, a student athlete is hard enough on its own, but can you talk a little bit about that challenge this year uh, with all the virtual and stuff that's been going on? Uh, it was very challenging because we, we started off with a hybrid model where we would do two days at school and two days at home. But yeah, uh, just online school is kind of challenging because it's kind of hard to just focus on a computer for so many hours without, you know, you have your phone as a distraction, right. uh, your TV. So yeah, it's, it was very challenging. Uh, coach, as a as a as a parent, uh, and just to give you a little background, my my wife's a teacher uh, here in Cross at Arkansas, where I live. But um, as a parent, can you give us uh, a little bit of uh, the the challenge the challenges that, that you've had dealing with the virtual and all that? Well, I've been at I'm in sales in uh, pharmaceutical sales management, I guess, and I'm at home. I've been at home since um, spring break of last year. And we've been doing just virtual things. Then my wife, like you, is a teacher. So she's been on, and I have a um, fourth grader that's been on. So we're all virtually online doing something all day. So my my office area is destroyed. And uh, just people dropping in and off the the internet, to be honest, has probably been the biggest thing because there's so many people on the server at one time and people moving other people things. So um, everybody needs their – they're quiet and uh, space and, you know, with four of us in the house, it's, it has been uh, challenging. Uh, of course, my wife and my younger one are back and Dallin's back at school. So last week was the first week I had the, the house back to myself and it, it felt like normal again because I'm normally in the office on Mondays and Fridays anyway. So it felt a little normal, um, but we definitely need to clean up because everybody's just been everywhere because we've been trying to, get our own space so that we can, uh, we can do it. And then, um, you know, Dallin, I think what else, just like a lot of the kids on the team, I think they struggle a little bit with the virtual learning, yeah. just keeping up on assignments, but teachers are still teachers as far as their accountability. So I would just say as a coach, I've kind of laughed a lot that the teachers are still, this is due now. Yeah. They'll do like it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ain't none of that relaxed. changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been the, to me, that's been the biggest learning opportunity is those deadlines and those accountability uh, dates are still the same, and I don't think the kids get it. They think they're uh-uh. they're kind of relaxed. So it's 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 uh, almost like uh, that crazy thing called real life, isn't it, Coach? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And I, I told all mine, I said, hey, this is what I'm used to. You know, deadlines, get this done. I don't really care what's going on, mm-hmm. and you just have to adapt. And that's that's real life. And I do think that's one thing these kids will learn is. I think they're a lot more appreciative for things like just going out to eat dinner with your family or, yeah. or getting together with your teammates. And I know our team was very um, – they felt very fortunate to still be playing because because if you were in this environment where all of us interact with kids that play in Memphis City and coaches and, you know, all these kids travel to go to the same, you know, University of Tennessee or Alabama junior days and, and things like that. And to see, you know, Dallin having the type of season he's having – but his buddies didn't get to play and the guys in Nashville are getting to play, but these guys didn't play. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is these kids are, I think they've been so spoiled and pampered over the years that they are very appreciative 
of how quickly this thing can be snatched away. And as a coach, you know it because somebody can get hurt. I broke my leg my last game my senior year in two places. So you know how quickly this game can be taken away. But I think these kids have learned through this how appreciative they need to be for all the hard work they put in it, that it could still be snatched away at a moment's notice. Coach, let me ask you. I got, I got, I got just, just one more question for him. Um, as far as the college ranks is concerned with the, with the transfer portal that we all know about nowadays, uh, just as someone who played at the college ranks and was successful, um, give us as listeners or as football fans who are not the athletic and didn't get that opportunity to play, give me – can you tell us just how you think that transfer portal is going to transform college football in the future? Uh, I think it's going to make it a lot of parity across the board, number one, um, because there, there's always going to be a lot of talented kids that can fill some needs for coaches like – I saw Muschamp got fired today. So now if they put that – Got the grad really? transfer. What? Muschamp yeah. got fired? Yeah, at least that's what they're reporting on the internet. <laughs> wow, okay. Cool. Breaking news. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, that's, Thanks, Coach. Now, we appreciate that. <laughs> now, that was. You are was our source, so if he's not fired, it's yeah. on you. Wow. <laughs> that was via the internet now. Um, I, I At least I saw that on Twitter, unless somebody put a fake account out. But, um, I mean, you think about it, a guy comes in a program like that or like, Perfect example, Hugh Freeze. You know, he gets about four or five transfers, one quarterback from Auburn, you know, a receiver from from uh, Southern Miss or something like that. And all of a sudden you can fix what that program was lacking and the ability to stretch the field. So I just think the, the grad grad transfer and the, you know, if they approve the one-time transfer, it's going to give kids the opportunity to go uh, fill holes and for coaches to fill holes quickly and, just like these coaches, I mean, I, I hate to keep using free Hugh Freeze, but, you know, he may be at South Carolina next week. And so these kids should have the same opportunity. The kids should have the same opportunity to change their situation if they don't like it, that these coaches can. So, I, I one, I think it's a good thing. And then, two, I think it just brings parity because now you can fix holes just like you do in the NFL. And now instead of changing the program around in four years, you can do what the guy did at SMU. He turned the program around in one year, you know, by going out and getting 15 uh, transfers. So I'm, I, I'm a big fan of it um, because I think so many of these coaches are, are – if you've been around the game, there's very few good, well-intended people leading these programs that really, really care about kids. Most of the time, you know, it's about winning in the system and things like that. So if it's not a good fit for you, you should have the opportunity to, to go somewhere because – you know, people don't realize, but it's it's a lot of hard work to uh, to play college football, and it's not all fun. The games are fun, but a lot of things from from Monday to Saturday, Sunday to Saturday, is not very fun. I can just tell you that. And the NFL is is a, is a lot like that. I don't miss much about playing in the NFL, but uh, being in the training room and the locker room and airplane rides, you know, the game is a business, and and so you should have the opportunity to be happy and put yourself in the best situation. Aaron, I got a couple more questions for you, and then we'll let right. you get, get to where we got to do. But uh, first of all, what's the best road atmosphere that you ever played in for uh, college? Um, I, I would have to say the Swamp. Going to the Swamp uh, Saturday night on uh, ESPN or going to the Swamp, you know, 2.30 on, on CBS uh, and it being the game of the week or – uh, college game you, right? day, 
you know, college game day there, um, going to Alabama, going to Georgia, you know, when you're playing one versus three or two versus five. And, of course, uh, Notre Dame playing in such a historic environment um, in 91 when we were ranked number three and they were ranked number one in the country. So, uh, you know, being at Tennessee, I've been in some, some big-time battles. You know, I got to play in the Super Bowl, and I would still equate SEC football to a bigger experience than actually being in, in, in the Super Bowl because, wow. you know, at the Super Bowl, there's so many celebrities and, and corporate sponsors that just want to say they're at the, the Super Bowl. But, you know, when you come into uh, University of Florida Stadium, you come into the swamp, and as you're riding in, you, you have to go down the hill, and the fans are out there rocking your – trying to rock your bus over, you know, before you can get <laughs> you get started or you're going to uh, – you go down to uh, Legion Field back then, and they're throwing frozen oranges at you when you get off the bus. And, you know, they, they hate you from the time you, you get off the plane to the time you get back on it. And that atmosphere is just fun to me. I've always enjoyed being on the road in the SEC because of the environment. What can we do as – as you know, I'm a Memphis fan, born and raised – yeah. What can we do to get the Memphis Tennessee rivalry back going for football? I, I think it's it's ridiculous that we don't have it. Uh, I know I've had fun these last couple of years just getting tickets. To be honest, for the basketball game, you know, even though I live here in Memphis and have a lot of connections, I mean, I got tickets like at the last minute, maybe thirty minutes before the game uh, two years ago here, and I'm already working on tickets for this year, considering <laughs> uh, what's going what's going on with COVID. But um, I think that, you know, I love what uh, Barnes and, and Penny are doing, um, woofing and, you know, talking about the programs and trying to out-recruit each other. You know, I know Penny show up at one day. He knows that uh, Barnes is over at uh, Briarcrest checking in on Kennedy, and then, you know, Penny just shows up. Like, I think, you know, you need those type of uh, – of that type of atmosphere. I think it would have probably happened more if Norvell was here um, because, he, you know, he was putting a bigger – recruiting that out, not the Silverfield is not. I just don't know, you know, what he's doing. Like, I knew what Norvell was doing, and then I knew I know very well what uh, Pruitt is doing. And I think Pruitt has actually mentioned, you know, playing that game. But I just think it's good for the state. I definitely think it's good for the University of Tennessee to uh, have a bridge here in, in Memphis. And they got that bridge fixed and that pipeline back going, you know, with six or seven kids up there right now that, you know, Bush Jones didn't do with his staff and neither did Derek Dooley. So, I'm, I'm super excited about that um, because, you know, a lot of schools are coming from all around the country uh, picking off our kids. And then Memphis has a lot of kids that are homegrown talent that are uh, playing there as well and, and playing, you know, very well. And, you know, I got to play against Calvin Austin since he was a, you know, baby, him and Chase and Colin Watkins, you know, basketball, football, track, you know, everything. So it's great to see Joey Magnifico. I coached him when he was younger. It's just great to see a lot of these kids uh, go on and do great things. So I think when Memphis basketball and Memphis football are good, it makes our city better when the Grizzlies are better. Um, and one of the good teams, it makes our city better. And then, of course, you know, I always want to see Tennessee do well. So I think it should be uh, a, a big robbery. Um, it was a pretty big robbery when I played, even though, you know, we were ranked, you know, high and we, we probably, you know, we always beat them. But it was always fun to, to have that atmosphere and come here. And uh, and then they beat us in 96. So I think they should be playing. I, I don't like to see them playing Ole Miss and not playing us um, because I just think it's it's important to the state. Yeah, I think we're going to get that. Hopefully we'll get that game back on. Hopefully Philip Fulmer and Larry Beach can work something out. Especially with Larry Beach having that background, 
you know, from the University of Florida as well. Yeah, well, uh, right now we might not want to play Memphis in uh, football. We probably got a better <laughs> chance in basketball than we do in football right now. So we might need to wait and get our we might need to get our backyard in order a little bit before we sign that contract. <laughs> what, what, can, what can you tell fans though that are pretty much not happy right now with Jeremy Pruitt? Like, can you just tell them to wait another year? What can you really, you know, tell your friends they don't that are have Tennessee to fans? Sign the <laughs> well, yeah. I think I can tell you right now. Anybody that knows anything about counting beans, uh, right now you're paying an AD that's not working there. You're paying an AD that's working there. You're paying two head coaches that aren't working there, and you're paying a coach that's uh, working there right now. It's not going to happen this year. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I don't know what happens going forward because I just think, you know, that that program is an animal when the fans and the media start to want you out of there it kind of takes on a lot. It's an avalanche and it's hard to overcome. And, you know, I'm, I, uh, I've been a supporter of Jeremy Pruitt and, uh, you know, I do like a lot of things that I see, but at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta produce results. And whether you like somebody or not at the end of the day, you know, they, they have a win loss record next to their name and, and uh, you can't go three and seven, four and six this year and, and come back with, you know, six and five next year. I just think that'll be that'll just be too much at a program like that. And uh, once that momentum starts, man, I just I know it. It's a it's an animal that just people just don't understand that takes on a life of its own. And and the next thing you know, you just can't turn it back around. So I, I hope they close strong like they did last year. Um, have a great recruiting year, year and and next year it can put up a nine and nine and three, um, you know, eight and four at least, and start to show that we're really really turning the corner because um, if you look at, you know, I'll just be honest, you look at programs like Arkansas, they look like they're going in a different direction than we're going. Um, you can see the, the, the promise and you can see them start to start to take off and the kids believing and they're playing with a, a whole nother passion than they played with over the previous years. And, and I think Tennessee is going the other way, just being honest. And I, I wear orange colored glasses and I'm saying this. So uh, I, I just think you got to get it turned around real quick or that, that animal will bite you. All right, here's my last question for you. Um, can you give us an update on how Chase is doing? He's doing good. He's uh, we're waiting on his uh, his wrist to heal. Um, probably got another two, you know, two weeks, and then uh, he should be back healthy. And then we'll you know we'll see what happens after that. Because uh, fans that don't know Chase, he's like Mr. Football winner and Mr. Basketball winner from the St. George's yeah. days, who I enjoyed watching. Back in seventh grade, when he's at St. George's, to be honest with you, uh, Aaron. But uh, hopefully he'll. I mean, I would love to see him back out on the end of the way field. Just tell him we're wishing him well, and uh, well just tell him that we're so proud of him from the Memphis area as well. Just tell him to keep up the good work. I know well, things definitely. didn't work out with East Carolina and Arkansas, yeah. but just tell him yeah, his, that we're still praying story, for him. Yeah. His story ain't over with. His story ain't over with. He'll be all right. There's a lot of a lot of that story is going to be written, so he'll he'll be all right. He's built he's built for it. And Dallin, we wish you well in the off season, and uh, you're my Mister Football winner, in my opinion, because you did have a good year. And uh, take care of yourself on and on, the, on and off the field, and stay healthy, my friend. Yes, All right, sir. man. Thank you. Thank y'all for having us on, man. We had a good time. Safe. Thanks, y'all. Y'all stay safe and healthy, man. We'll do. Well, you too. Coach. All right.